This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. We'll be exploring some of the biggest questions and issues faced by parents, but sometimes it's nice to have a helping hand. Aviva exists to be with people when it really matters throughout their life. They've been supporting people through life's financial challenges for over 300 years, so they know a thing or two about preparing for the future. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. Right, let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of our podcast. This is Parenting Past the Pandemic with me, Vernon Kate, And me, Holly Mackay, founder of investment website boringmoney.co.uk. It's good to be back. Thank you, Vernon. It's nice to be here with you. Yeah, and uh, thank you for joining us again. And if this is the first time, thanks for joining us. We've got an interesting topic today, Holly. Interesting indeed, because it's all about anxiety childhood anxiety and I think before we start I will just read you the dictionary definition of anxiety okay just so that we know what ballpark yeah we're playing it (laughs) so according to the dictionary anxiety is a feeling of worry nervousness or unease about something with an uncertain outcome and in psychiatry terms it's a nervous disorder marked by excessive uneasiness and apprehension typically with compulsive behaviour or panic attacks. Now, I wanted to read that out because I think words like anxiety, anxious, nervousness, unease, depression, I think they, they get banded around so frequently that sometimes it's nice to just know what those words actually mean. I think we certainly overdo the word depressed, don't we? People bandy that one down uh, around without really understanding or, you know, empathising. I don't think I've been depressed with a capital D in, in, in my life, not that I'm aware of. But I've certainly felt anxious this year. And that's quite unusual for me because I'm a bit of a resilient old cockroach and <laughs> normally I kind of just you know stiff up a lift yeah. soldier through Here we go. have a gin and, and <laughs> woman up um, but I've you know 2020 was a year of I think all of us feeling if we're honest sort of at least some anxiety at some time and and for me I guess sort of I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about today and it's sort of anxiety with our kids but it, I think the first thing we've got to kind of be honest with ourselves about is you know the anxiety that we're feeling and it's a bit like the oxygen mask on a plane sort of analogy because if we kind of let the balls drop then our kids certainly are going to receive that and, and pick up on it and so throughout kind of 2020 I was looking back I've got a wee theory about anxiety I think there's a triangle And there's three angles on the triangle. One is physical, Mm -hmm. one's mental, and one's financial. And I think we're all really different. And our own kind of health circumstances, our money circumstances, means that all of our triangles are shaped a little bit differently. And we've all got sort of competing and and conflicting anxieties. I don't know about you, which ones of the angles of those triangles would be paramount for you. I kind of physically, you know, my immediate family, we felt sort of as safe as anyone did. Um, financially, a bit stretched, but but okay. So for me, the, the biggest thing to watch out was for the, the mental um, anxiety bit, particularly as a parent going through this lockdown. So for me, the main thing I was like, I don't really care if the homeschooling falls off a cliff a bit. I don't care if they don't keep up with maths. I want to keep them 
happy. So that was the kind of、mm. driving force that sort of for me trying to sort of get through 2020 was just to keep the show on the road and to keep the children happy, which meant that I had to try and be happy even if once they were in bed at night I'd go out into the back garden and throw my mouse back <laughs> and howl <laughs> at the moon. What about you? What was your triangle like? Well, I'll be honest with you. I think 2020, as soon as lockdown started. Uh, anyone who works in hospitality or the entertainment industry will know that their diaries, like mine, literally turned themselves upside down and ended up in the bin. So, my triangle—I'll be honest with you—my triangle was defined by the fact that I chose to do I'm a Celebrity because it forced me to get physically fit. It enabled me to align my mental well-being. To prepare myself for 18 days in a castle in North Wales, but also there's the flip side, which is yeah, financially it was rewarding. So my triangle was truly defined by that. And if I think back and say to myself, okay, what would 2020 look like without that? I think my triangle would be completely different because I would have been more anxious as to okay, how are we going to start bringing in an income? We can't necessarily rely on. Tess's income doing Strictly Come Dancing because you know the series went ahead and it was as successful as ever. Those two gigs define us financially, and then therefore it is topical because obviously we're an Aviva podcast. If you can align yourself, or if you find some form of financial stability, your mental well-being props itself up, and therefore if you mentally enable yourself to move forward, you become physically fit. And I think mental and physical fitness run parallel with each other. I think if you're physically fit by going to the gym or going for a jog or just being busy, your endorphins are flowing through your body, and endorphins are what's in chocolate. You know, you eat chocolate, you get endorphins, which makes you feel happy, and it's exactly the same as exercise, believe it or not. Ironically, so I think that my triangle, going back to your question, was solely propped up by firstly financial. And then mental well-being, and the physical came with those two. Were you aware in your household, I guess, of, of heightened anxiety? And I think, you know, if I if I look back, my kids, they're a little bit younger than your kids. They're ten and twelve, and I got a few questions early on. I got. A really unexpected for me, for my son, it's when I go and turn his lights out at nine thirty, and it's almost like he saved all the complicated questions for me. <laughs> and, and the question one night was, "Are you going to die?" Oh wow! And I was like, "Oh, night love." Yeah, yeah. <laughs>、um, I was like, "Well,、uh, hopefully not today.、Uh, I don't think so." And you know, but then I got a sort of, "Is Granny going to die?" And he'd obviously been sort of storing this this stuff up. So there were a few sort of health anxieties, but once m- my approach to that was. You know, I talked to him about it, but I think with kids, the second they sniff that you're worried about oh, something, it, it's oxygen to the flame. So 100%. I kind of, I don't know if I'm too British about things. Sometimes I think I probably close things down without sort of talking about them too much. But I, with those questions, I was like, no, you know, we're we're fine. I'm very, very, very unlikely、yeah. <laughs> to die <laughs> in the foreseeable future, nanai, and put the lights out. But I don't tend to talk to them. Age ten and twelve about it too much because I just think I'll fan the flames. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Kids pick up on negative and positive very very quickly. They can sense it. You know the way you carry yourself around the house, the way you do your jobs, the way you talk on the phone. Kids are so 
they're like big receptors. They just take it all in, soak it all up. And then it's funny that you said that lay in bed at night, because I think that's when kids open up the most. I think that's when kids find the courage, and it is courage, to say, mummy, daddy, is everything okay? Because they're in their comfortable place. They're in bed, they've got their teddy bear, favourite pillow, bed linen, whatever. The source of anxiety, I think, for a lot of kids is keeping up with the Joneses, isn't mm. it? And I personally think I'd like to get whoever invented that little like, thumbs up on Facebook oh. and have stern words with them. <laughs> <laughs> Some develop a bloke over there in San Francisco. And the love heart on Instagram oh, and all that. Yeah. God, it's just nonsense. And, and we talked about it in the first episode. We said that social media is just a, a mirror of who you want to see, who you want to be. I, I kind of, here's a sort of my thought on, on anxiety. I, I think we, we fuel the, the, the flames. I've just got to look at the mums. It is a mums, not a parents. It's a mums WhatsApp group for, for one of my kids' schools. Holy cow. You know, sometimes <laughs> I come out of a meeting and there's like 53 notifications. I'm like, what's happened? There's been a fire or an And you emergency. can't leave because everyone will know oh, that you've left God. the group. And, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's so, because there's a pharaoh's outfit or something yeah. needed for the next day. Oh, and, my gosh. And, and this kind of... So I do think there's a lot... Because lots of people are trying to do the right thing yeah. for their kids... <laughs> You get these overly anxious parents. It's even like sort of schools now. People are planning what school they're going to. I'm yeah, always a bit sort of late the to the party. Yeah. Okay, but she's 16. Fair do. Some people are planning that when their children are three. So yeah. everything escalates and it gets earlier and Amazing. earlier. And there's a bit of me that thinks sometimes the best thing we can do for our kids is just to chill out and be, I don't know, maybe this is my self-justification, but just be a bit more slovenly. Yeah. Go with the flow a bit more. Yeah. And, and if they turn up, to school, you know, and their pharaoh costume is the same old white sheet with a hole in the middle that you used for the Tudor outfit and the Halloween costume. Parallel lives, are we? are leading parallel lives. It's not the We're end of the world. It's not the end of the world. This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. Visit aviva.co.uk to find out more and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. All right, Holly, let's bring in today's guest, shall we? Please welcome to the show, Emmanuel Asuko. You might know him from TV. He's a financial advisor, but more impressively, he's a father of not one, not two, not three, but four kids. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Vernon. Hey, Holly. You okay? Yes, thank you. Good to have you here. Emmanuel, just a question. We've been talking about managing anxiety and and kids. As you'd imagine, there's quite a lot to talk about at the the moment. Yes. You've got four kids, something I'm kind of struggling to get get my head around. What's it been like? What's what's 2020 been like in in your household with with four kids bumbling around as well as your day job? Oh, it's been it's been difficult because both me and my wife are both self-employed. So um, it's been quite hard financially um, and also time wise because we happen to they've been at home and four kids at home to entertain them they get I've never heard daddy I'm bored so many times in my life ever or what about daddy I want a snack did you get snack a lot we had to we actually had to bring in a snack chart because it was was getting ridiculous because there was no responsibility they were literally just going to the fridge they'll just get bored and go to the fridge so we had to bring in a snack chart where they would have to initial their name to the <laughs> snack that they were taking and they had to do it in order to ensure that the snacks would actually last because we were we were having to top it up over and over and over again 
what have you noticed with, with your kids? I mean, I imagine the, the one-year-old's just happy because there's a lot of noise and chaos going on. Exactly. But, but your older kids, you know, what, what have your experiences been in terms of working with them? Have there been any, any anxieties you've seen particularly? Yeah, I think just being not being free to go out and see their friends and being trapped in a routine is quite simple it's very difficult because we were on lockdown you couldn't you know like you could you could go out that much and, and we, we had to stay at home quite a lot so i could see them you know their personalities were reduced and they weren't really being themselves they're being very lethargic and, and and so forth so we had to start creating new time so i had to change up my diary in regards to how many meetings i was taking so you know i could take some of the burden and take them out and do stuff with them and play games with them and then my wife would do the same because we could see actually they were becoming unhappy and unhappy do you think that was because they were missing their friends or did they feel they were still seeing their friends on on social media they they, we don't really have social media because they're quite young. The oldest is eight. So they, they weren't seeing their friends at all. Um, I think what was really making them unhappy was the whole this virus or the pandemic outside. And it was that kind of fear of what's going to happen. Is something going to happen to them? Or is, and then what, as they started to learn a bit more and realise it was older people that were, you know, more susceptible, they were really worried about, you know, grandma and granddad. And if something's going to happen to grandma and granddad, and we had to keep, you know, saying, no, they'll be fine. But they couldn't see grandma and granddad like they normally could because they weren't allowed to go over there. And, and so these are the type of things that started to give them anxiety and give them worries. And as parents, we had to try and, you know, calm that down. How do you talk to your children about money and at what age do you think we should start talking to kids about money why did you laugh then emmanuel <laughs> great, great question because i don't i don't really talk to my kids about money um i talk to my kids about value um for me what's most important for my children is to understand value and the importance of adding value so the things that they do they can add value to themselves and if they add value to themselves then they'll be able to that value will enable them to generate money but the focus for me shouldn't be on money. It should be on value. So looking at, for them, it's about, you know, public speaking. So I get them to do, I get them to do um, drama classes to help them be able to be vocal and be out there speaking because I get paid to speak. Like, but that, I had to learn that. I had to, I went to drama classes and I had that exposure and the fear of, you know, everyone laughing at you and making mistakes. And now I can make an income. That's the best bit. Do you know what I mean? That was that was a big hurdle. But we see a lot of people who have the knowledge but are not able to to speak it out there because they haven't been put in these positions. I talk to I, with my kids. You know, we t I talk about when you get money. Also, it's, it's not necessarily it's not all yours. I think that's a big myth. Yeah. That, you know, when you're young, you get yeah. a tenner and then you can go to the shops and spend it. Yeah. But when you start working, you don't even they take tax and national yeah. insurance before you even get your money. That's a perfect example. A perfect example of how we need to teach our kids the value of money and the value that comes with hard work. Exactly. And then finally, for me, it's about giving back. So I always I get them to pick a charity that they like and understand that, yes, you are in a privileged position where you're able to make money, but there are others that don't. And I think it's so, it's so important about what type of children are we raising. For me, I want them to understand that they are in a better position than I was when I, because of the things that me and their mum have put in place. But they should never feel that they, they that forget others and forget that there are others in and around them, not just in other countries, in the same country that you live in, walking on the same streets that you walk on that don't have the ability to have the money that you have. So 
put give some back and and the joy that you can get from actually giving back and so those are the three principles that i always you know teach my kids when it comes to money and finances i love that because we're not talking about uh, actual physical possessions there are we no we're talking about mental values exactly. which enable you to to feel good about yourself and eradicate some of the anxieties that you could possibly have as a, as a young person what, what have you seen from uh the people that you've been well, socially distanced mixing with, shall we say, yes. or at work and, and the people in your in your horizons, shall we say. What's been the biggest fear financially that you've you've picked up? Because a lot of people have been furloughed, they've got 80% of their wage. A lot of people have been made redundant. Some people have had to career change. So what what's the biggest thing that you've seen and, and how have you enabled these people to kind of look on the bright side if there is a bright side? Yes, it's, it's been it's been absolutely terrible because a lot of people have been living to 100% or even 120% of their income. So for me, when when furlough came out and it was 80%, I thought 80% to stay at home is amazing. <laughs> I was like, wow, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? But for but in the reality was that a lot of people were not even living were living way beyond their means. So even a 5% cut would have meant that they were going to go into debt. And so it was now people are now overspent or going into debt. They were going into their overdrafts, having to use credit cards, having to take loans. And it was like, it was a very worrying time for them. Cause again, like you said, being further, they didn't know if they were going to be able to keep their job. There was this pressure on social media that everybody should be either on a course or doing some sort of training because you've got this time up. And there's always like, you know, actually people are dying and you know, there's a pandemic out there. Do I really want to, you know, start training? But that was the kind of, society pressure that was put onto people so it has it has been hard from that way but again i think it's made a lot of people realize the importance of number one managing and owning their money actually be being in control of their money and knowing where it's going um number two not being self-reliant on one income i think that's really been something that's really come through is that actually i need to have other streams of income or try and make my money work for me to have other streams of income oh, and oh, 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 oh hang on hang on let, let, let's let's take a pause right here and dip our feet into this pond shall we my friend uh, because that's something really interesting. Uh, multiple income streams. Okay. Yes. So where do you start if you need to push your income a little bit more, bring in a little bit more cash? Yeah. What, what, just define for us income streams. How can people think of other ways to bring in cash? I guess for my clients, the number one thing I always say is what skills have you acquired through experience, through, through work, through your life? that other people may need or would pay you for. Um, because with the internet, with Zoom and all these other, you, the world is your oyster. You don't have to be limited to your local, the local region. So for me, it was about looking at what skills. So I've seen a lot of people who um, work in admin or work who have very good organizational skills put that online and offer that service to help people. People um, also maybe do coaching or mentorship and, and these are ways that you can offer a service-based business that allows you to um, use skills that you already have, already are experienced in and know you can know, know how they work to then generate an income stream. And that's really a good place to start. Now, there's something there that one thing, I think the main hurdle, and Holly, you'll know more about this than me, but the main hurdle that people face there is fear, mm. is getting started. It mm. is how do I start doing this 
extra income? How do I start getting out there? How do I set up a website? Do you know what I mean? And it's those things, simple things that sometimes stop and hinder us progressing and moving forward. I've got a lovely quote on that. I live my life by it now. It's one of the founders of LinkedIn. And he said, you've just got to jump off the cliff and work out how to fly on the way down. Oof. And so many people, you know, I've now, I'm on sort of my second business. And if I'd waited to know all the answers before setting it up, I'd still be in planning mode. Mm. And I think sometimes, especially if it doesn't cost you much, right? Because what you're talking about, Emmanuel, are things, you know, as long as you've got an internet connection, you can just have a go, can't you? Yes. And I think our kind of fear that we're not going to be perfect enough or have it nailed. I bet, you know, some of the clients that you've talked to, they probably tried something and it didn't work, but then something comes from it yes. and, and you, it evolves. So I think it is, you know, just, just having, having the guts to have a shot at something and not worrying if you don't quite know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think also, like you said, websites, sometimes we don't even need that. I mean, you can, if you've got a LinkedIn or you've got a Facebook or Instagram, these are free platforms, Twitter, these are free platforms. Sometimes people want to get the um, get the website, get the business cards and the flyers. You ain't even got a customer yet. Let's go, <laughs> yeah, get, yeah, some, yeah. Let's go get some customers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Let's get some customers first and yeah. then we can, and then we can level up as we, as we go on. And, and also that will help you change your direction because I tell you, any business will tell you your first logo, your first, you know, slogan, or normally that it ends up in the bin. It's not, it's not the one that's going to carry on. It's going to evolve over time. And so, just get started, get out there, and and get customers, get their feedback, get what they like about your product. Look at the hurdles that you face, and as you go on, then you can evolve. Then you can invest in a website when you're actually making some money, rather than paying for all this stuff and you don't know if anyone even wants it. Although what? I do love registering a domain name. I don't know about you. I feel like such an entrepreneur. I'd, anyone that's a bit bored one day, just register some domain names because you'll feel like, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg at the end of the day. It's, it's great. Emmanuel, because we live in this digital generation where we don't get cash in hand, where we don't have paper in our wallets as much as we used to, is it easier to get into debt because you just see numbers? Yes. You're just tapping and you're going. You see something online, you type in. Oh. Yep, pay for. Do you for. even look when you tap your card I don't, if you buy contact? I don't. I, I, and yeah. It's my downfall that I don't. But it, it's outrageous how easy it is. And surely that's a massive pitfall. It's a huge pitfall. When ask anyone that you know does personal finance and teaches personal finance, we always start with cash. And the main thing is envelopes. We have envelopes. A lot of people will do envelopes either weekly or envelopes on, on what they can spend on. But it's all about cash because if I have to give somebody that 20 quid, I physically have to give it to them. Yeah, it, yeah. it leaves my hand, goes into theirs. I look in my wallet. I've got less money than I started with. Yeah, you can physically see that it's been you reduced. See it. <laughs> when you're doing contactless, yeah. if, if you imagine, in a, if, I go to, if I go to the West End for a day, I might remember the first few you know, times that I tap, but there's no way if I make 10, 10 15 transactions, I'm going to remember how much I've spent. And a lot of the time, it is a waiting game for your bank account to update. And if you've got an account that updates two or three days later and you carry on spending, before you know, you might look at your account and think you have money and then you don't. Yeah. Then you're in your overdraft. Again, if you're not budgeting or splitting your accounts, I have people who will look in their account, there's £200 in there, they go and spend £100, then a £90 bill comes out and all of a sudden they've got £10 left for the month. And then this is how we're now having to go into our overdrafts or use a credit card. And, and that's how a lot of the time we end up in debt because we're not managing our money. 
Now, Manuel, I've got to ask you a sort of a last question from me. You've got four kids. Um, yep. Burning issue that came up in my household at the weekend, and I couldn't find it. I even Googled it. What's the going rate for the tooth fairy? <laughs> <laughs> So it's I've a great no question. That's a great question. I, I was thinking 50p, but I think that stuff. You're thinking 19, what? That's 1985 level. Oh, 50p. Good grief. <laughs> I'm I'm so lucky that um, I'm Nigerian, and so whenever it gets to these type of food, we just say, "Oh yeah, we don't do that in Nigeria." Tooth <laughs> fairy doesn't doesn't turn up in Nigeria, so so unfortunately, it doesn't it doesn't happen. So um, that's our cop out. I think for our first child, we did do we did do a little a little bit like we do like a pound here and two, but now it's just like yeah, no, we don't we don't do that we anymore. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic, an absolute classic. Uh, okay, uh, Emmanuel, thank you very much. No, thank friend. you, guys. Nice yeah, to really chat enjoyed to you. that. Yeah. yeah, really good, really Take enlightening care. as well. Okay, Holly, we've got some questions from some parents uh, who have got in touch, and we appreciate it. Thank you for getting in touch. Uh, so let's have the first question, please, Mark. How can I get my kids to open up, or am I just forcing it? Should I wait for them? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think kids, when they need you, it takes a little bit of a, a nudge, but they do open up eventually. And I think it's a difficult one to force it, do you? I find the time they open up to me is when they're in bed at mm. the end of the day. It's probably just because they're playing for more time, actually. It's when I go and put the lights out. Yeah. For my son, particularly, I can sort of say, no, night then, sort of half past nine, and, and then it will come if there's mm. something that's been weighing on his mind. So for me, personally, I found just waiting for them, kind of making the space. You can tell, can't you, when there's something bugging them, but just being around and making the space, but waiting for them is what's worked for me. Yeah, I think Tess and Phoebe have some really good conversations at the at the witching hour and like you say sometimes you think oh, she's just pulling the strings because she wants to stay up a bit later but actually i think she's just finding the right time to say mummy uh what do you think of this mummy i'm going to do this blah 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 blah. and and it's interesting that their day and night relationship is chalk and cheese it's black and white really uh, because th th there's a little bit of friction during the day as you would with a, a teenage daughter and, and her mum but at night time they're like best mates I think I found as well it really helps kids to open up if you're doing something. If you sit down and look at them and kind of focus on them and go, right, we're now going to talk about something, of course they get a bit sort of twitchy and edgy. So for my daughter, for example, it's doing something like if we're making cupcakes mm -hmm. or, you know, doing something else so I'm not actually looking at them. And I think they find it easier then to, to sort of open up when they're not being kind of... They don't feel like, oh, my God, my parent is now parenting me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because then they feel like they're at school. Or worse. Yeah, or worse. Yeah, but I, I, think, I think parents have that parental instinct and you know when there's something not right with your, with your son or daughter. If I'm worried, then how can I expect my kids to be okay? I, I think that's really key and especially, gosh, if you look back at, at 2020, I mean, I think everybody was, was dealing with higher levels of anxiety. I, Vernon, I don't know. I, I don't claim to have all the answers. For me, my, my secret recipe is running. If I didn't run... Not run away? Yeah! <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> There's some Cheerios in the cupboard and you 
iPads. It's a microphone for the next start. three minutes. Just press three minutes and start. <laughs> See ya. I do run in a circle, so I do come back. But for me, you know, there's, there's, if I hadn't been able to, I can't meditate. I'm too impatient. I can't sit still. But if I hadn't gone out a few times a week and, and just, just run and got that, that's for me what keeps my... My, my anxiety to sort of hopefully manageable levels and the kids notice it. If I don't go running, I'm a flipping nightmare, even more than, than normal. You know, that, that's my coping mechanism. I don't know about you. Mm. I think it's a, it's a tricky one. I, I, I think kids can sense when mummy and daddy aren't right and parent, mummy and daddy can sense when the kids aren't right. So I think it's really simple, but it's really difficult. A good, honest, open conversation. It's tough. It really is. But sometimes you've just got to bite your lip or grab the kitchen table and say, right, we're going to talk about this. It's the most difficult thing to do, but it's the, it's the most rewarding. Now, I don't want to say that we're not experts, but it's time to get an actual expert on the podcast courtesy of Aviva. Speak for yourself there, Mr. K. But yes, Alistair McQueen is here once again with three top tips. This time he's here to talk about how we can better manage our financial anxieties. Hi, everybody. My name is Alistair McQueen and I'm the head of savings and retirement at Viva. And here are my top three tips for today. Uncertainty feeds anxiety. And there's no shortage of uncertainty in the world today. And this can impact your finances too. Here are my top three tips for managing this anxiety from a financial perspective in these very uncertain times. First, keep calm. Financial decisions made under stress are rarely good ones. So try to keep calm when reviewing your finances and remember the longer term. This tough time too shall pass. With this sense of perspective, you'll be better placed to navigate many financial challenges. Second, keep control. The foundation of good finances is a good budget. That is a good understanding of how much money you have coming in and how much money is going out. Yet many of us don't live to a budget. The great news is that there are many free websites to help us work out our budgets today. Find a couple of hours and work out your own budget. This sense of control can ease your angst. You'll also be better placed to identify potential cutbacks and savings. And doing this every so often, like once every six months, and you'll be well placed to keep control of your finances. And third, keep talking. And take advantage of the many free sources of help that are available. When it comes to managing your money, the government-backed Money Advice Service is a great home for financial hints and tips. If you want bespoke one-to-one service, the regulated financial advice community can help. And most financial companies manage websites hosting a wide range of financial help, such as our own, aviva.co.uk or unbiased.co.uk. And if you are between the ages of 45 and 60, Aviva has launched a free app we call the Midlife MOT. It provides handy hints on how to manage your wealth, your work and your well-being at these very uncertain times. Simply search for Aviva Midlife MOT app. And back to you guys. 
Thank you, Alistair. Appreciate that. So there you have it. We're done for another episode of Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yeah, we'll be back next week with very special guest Simon Thomas, who will be talking about the generational gap. But he'll also be talking about dealing with anxieties and those tough conversations with children. I mean, after he and his son lost a wife and mother so suddenly a few years ago, tough conversations to have. If you want any more information, then make sure you head to the website. We'll put a link in the description of the podcast or visit aviva.co.uk forward slash, wait for it, parenting hyphen past hyphen the hyphen pandemic, where you'll find some great content, including some from yours truly. Yeah, there's none from me. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next week. From me, it's bye. And bye from me. This podcast was brought to you by Aviva. Check out aviva.co.uk for more details. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow.